Sports. Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Green Bay Packers. This is the Packers Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Packers Wire editor, Zach Cruz. Zach, I'm not happy with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers because I picked them in my survivor pool, and boy, did they make me sweat that thing out. I was not (laughs) happy at all. That was supposed to be a walk in the park layup, and late in that game, I was like on the edge of my seat, pumping my fists, like, come (laughs) on, man. And the cameras panned over to Aaron Rodgers right at the end, and he let out this like visible exhale where you could see his whole body like, oh, man, we we got him. It's like, boy, they didn't have it, did they, Zach? They did not have it. They found a way, but it was not pretty at all. Yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers probably knew that they were a little lucky to, to come away with that one. And Absolutely. That, 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 was, that was really my, yeah, my big takeaway from Sunday is that, you know, they were really fortunate to win this game. I think the Jaguars outplayed them in a lot of areas. You know, they got a couple turnovers, the punt return for a touchdown. You know, they ran the ball pretty well, but, you know, the advantage with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback was just too big. I think if you put a competent quarterback on that Jags team, they probably went. So <laughs> I, I think the Packers know deep down they're going to have to be a lot better against some of these better teams in the league and, you know, starting Sunday because they got a pretty good opponent coming up here in the Colts. Oh, no, this is going to be the most interesting game that they might have for the rest of the season. And we could get to that one here. Colts Colts Packers. I can't wait for that one. That's going to be really good. I don't know how much we read into the struggles they had. I mean, you're a double digit point favorite at home in cold weather. Like that's usually a spot where Green Bay dominates. And you even wrote this on the Packers wire. It's like the cold weather thing is maybe that's not this version of the Packers, right? They're kind of struggling in the cold weather. And that's got to catch like diehard Packers fans off guard, right? That's just like a, a situation with the breath coming out of the mask. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can li- you hear Chris Berman in your head just saying the frozen tundra, right? And it's like, that is the Packers. And yeah. this is a different version. Yeah, even last year they were really good in, in the winter conditions at home. So I, I don't know. I think I think there's been a bunch of factors. You, you know, you look at some of the last two home games. Really, you know, they're they're playing two teams with losing records. You know, you're expected to win big. It's cold. It's windy. It's a noon game. There's no fans at Lambeau. So I, I do wonder if all those factors are affecting the players. You know, it's kind of an excuse, but it, it would explain why why these guys don't have energy and they've they've been playing so flat at home. So a little boy, yeah, Zach. It, we we actually talked about how how do how do they keep themselves up because it has been a little bit too kind of ho-hum this year yeah i think they do they they rely on the energy from the crowd so much and you know what there's there's probably not going to be fans at lambeau field all season including the playoffs so it's going to come down to these players creating their own energy in these games especially when it's cold and conditions are nasty so maybe that's what it is it's a sad lambeau field i think of all the stadiums across the country right lambeau field is maybe the most depressing without fans with that fan base it's just such an iconic spot and yeah you know, it, that's probably the saddest stadium there is. Probably besides Vegas. The new brand new Vegas stadium would be fun <laughs> to see all the Raiders fans in there. I think that'd be cool. But right. as far as like historic, nostalgic things, Lambeau Field empty is like, man, that hurts. Maybe it's maybe it's affecting yeah. the players. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. And, and just Sunday. So Aaron Rodgers scoots out of the pocket and he scores this touchdown. And he said he was thinking about doing a Lambeau leap, but there's no fans <laughs> in the stands. No one to catch him. And there's no, nobody to jump to, no one to catch him. So he just kind of shoulder checked the wall and did his own celebration. So, yeah, it's it's uh no fans is really changing things in Green Bay. That's something they're going to have to figure out, though. <laughs> they're, they're just too good a team to, to let something this ridiculous like derail them, right? Yeah. They've got to figure it out. Yeah, and, and they're going to have a 
coming down the schedule here, I think they have five more outdoor games that are probably going to be cold. You know, a bunch of them at home, and you know, we'll probably talk about this later, but they're the number one seed in the NFC right now. So the playoffs would go through Lambeau Field. So, yeah, they, def- they definitely need to get this figured out at home because they play a good team and they play this flat. They're going to get blown out. The cold should not be a great equalizer. It should be a, something that the Green Bay Packers have in their back pocket and use to their advantage. So that's what that's what yeah, we want to exactly. see. That's what we want to see. But good day for MVS, your guy, right? So they did find a way. What stood out about how they did kind of not let this get off the rails and finish it off? Was it MVS? Like, what'd you like the most? Yeah, I really liked what MVS did. You know, he he kind of sparked him to life there in the first half of that long touchdown. He, he just kind of blew past the cornerback with speed. And then, you know, even Aaron Rodgers was talking about he made some some nice second secondary action plays, you know, really the last two weeks he has. So I, I think he's trending in the right direction. I think in terms of things to be positive about, it, the defense played well. Of course, they're playing a rookie quarterback, but, you know, they really slammed the door shut late. The pass rush really took over those last two drives. So, yeah, I, I would look at MVS. You know, they really need him to be a, a deep threat, a consistent deep threat, even with Alan Lazard probably coming back here soon. And, you know, they need that pass rush. We've, we've talked about that on the podcast all year. They need that pass rush to be disruptive. Yep. And it showed some more signs of life there late, late on Sunday. So that's a good sign. For Coach Matt LaFleur, I think Zach has some advice. He found a tendency. Let's, let's flesh that out here on the <laughs> other. Let's flesh that out on the other side. We'll be right back. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends at a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays for Week 11 of the NFL season. Quarterback Jameis Winston versus the Atlanta Falcons. Winston replaces Drew Brees, who's injured and is going to miss at least several weeks. The former Tampa Bay quarterback has plenty of weapons, the familiarity with this week's opponent, and it doesn't hurt that Atlanta has given up the second most passing yards and the most touchdowns to quarterbacks in 2020. You'll see some Taysom Hill worked in as usual, but Winston is a strong play and has a lot on the line. Running back DeAndre Swift of the Detroit Lions is moving into that must-start territory. He was officially designated the starter prior to last week's game, and Swift averaged 5.1 yards per carry on his 16 totes, adding another 68 yards and a score on five receptions. Up next is the Carolina defense, one that was slashed last week by Ronald Jones, and he was the sixth back to get at least 25 PPR points in 10 games this year. No team has allowed more catches to the position in 2020. Another guy coming off a strong performance in Week 10, Willie Sneed of the Baltimore Ravens versus the Tennessee Titans. Averaging six targets in his last three games, Sneed's increase in action has finally paid off with a pair of scores against the Patriots Sunday night. He has Lamar Jackson's trust in all settings and is their go-to clutch receiver. Tennessee has given up huge receiving results in the last five weeks and mostly throughout 2020. This is by far the best matchup for receptions, 25 more than second place, and it's number two for yardage gains. Seven touchdowns have been scored by wide receivers in the last five games. Washington football team tight end Logan Thomas versus the Cincinnati Bengals. He has at least four targets in every game this year and 12 in the last two weeks. Even with a two-game scoreless streak, Thomas has scored 10-plus PPR points in three of his last four games. Prior to holding Eric Ebron to a 38-yard game in Week 10, a contest in which Pittsburgh's receivers destroyed Cincinnati all over the field, the Bengals had given up six touchdowns to tight ends in the previous four contests. Thomas makes for a sneaky play if you're desperate for a tight end. For more fantasy football tips, news, and advice, be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, Zach, you have uh, advice from Matt LaFleur. I'm just going to give you I'm going to give you the floor, let you run with it. Uh, what what the <laughs> hell is coach doing that's got you tweeting in all caps? Yeah, so it's it's second and 10 runs and he's been doing it all year. Uh, yeah, uh, Sunday was 
probably his worst offense of doing it. I think he ran four times on second and 10. It's just a low percentage play, you know. It's becoming a tendency that uh, teams have figured out. Uh, he, he was asked about it today. He said it's a lot of, you know, they get to the line, they have a run pass option, and Aaron can, depending on what the defense shows, he can pick if he wants to run or pass, and they've been getting a lot of life runs, I guess. That's his explanation. That's pretty good it for makes, Matt LaFleur. He can just blame it on Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. And, and Aaron Rodgers said kind of the same thing today, too. So I, I still think they need to figure it out. They're averaging under three yards of carry on second and ten runs. You know, uh, this past week they ran three times for 10 yards and second and 10. You know, it's just a great way to set up third and long and no offense wants to be in third and long. So I think you throw an incomplete pass and first down, I get the tendency to want to, you know, you want to make sure you get a couple of yards to set up something more manageable on third down. But I think it's just hard to justify throwing away one of your two opportunities to get a first down on a, on a run that the defense, you know, probably knows it's coming. So, yeah, I think that's something the Packers should see in their self-scout this week and hopefully eliminate moving forward. <laughs> hopefully they, they look at Zach Cruz's Twitter account because you, uh, you're you telling them right, yeah. right there, here's the tendency. I'm sure the other coaches are seeing it. I've been tweeting about it all all year. Every, every single time he calls a second and ten round, I have a tweet. There it is again. So, yeah, there it is they, again. They should know. How does a coach fall in love with a tendency like that, Zach? Is he just trying to? Is he trying? Is it as simple as getting to third and manageable? It, yeah, it's got to be. I think. I think um, you, you see a, an incompletion on first and ten, and maybe it's just human nature that you know you don't want to get to third and ten, or you don't want to become too pass heavy, or you don't want to throw it three straight times and punt or something. I don't know. Yeah, the second and tens are not working for them. I I, I just much rather trust Aaron Rodgers to throw a couple times, you know, second and 10, third and 10, if he needs to be to get the first down. Well, I kind of hope LaFleur keeps doing it just to get you fired up, Zach. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to have to keep track of that going forward. But <laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of running the ball, running backs, the Packers GM came out and said some interesting things, right? He talked about the shrinking salary cap. We all know that's coming and how he's going to, you know, how that's going to affect how what they do going forward with some of the veterans. And one of the big veteran free agents that we're all going to be watching, especially those running Running back don't matter, people, right? Like I think, like, I think you're one of the card carrying members of that team, that, yes. that group of people. Zach, Aaron for Jones, sure. he's the he's the name that I'm looking to. Uh, he is a big free agent for the Packers, and it's almost like the GM is talking like we're not going to give Aaron Jones a big contract. The salary cap is shrinking, so I don't know. I might be connecting dots that aren't really there yet. But uh, what do you think about the GM's comments about the salary cap, and what do you think that means for a guy like Aaron Jones? Yeah, I thought it was very interesting, and I, I definitely think it ties to Aaron Jones because this whole thing is going to be it's going to be very interesting to watch over the next you know several months it's not just for the Packers either because salary cap is shrinking maybe to 175 million and there's going to be a lot of teams that need to dump these quality veteran players to get under the salary cap for next year so there's going to be all these veterans entering what is probably going to be an oversaturated market and there's probably not going to be a lot of buyers because of the cap so I think the Packers see an opportunity to maybe patch some holes with cheaper veterans in, in March and that could mean you know guys like Aaron Jones and Kevin King and Corey Lindsay aren't, aren't going to be back because you know if the Packers spend money on re-signing them now they're not going to have that flexibility in March because they're already pretty tight against the cap so I think the plan is becoming a little more clear they wanted to get Kenny Clark done they got it done they wanted to get David Bakhtiari done they just got that done so I think maybe they want to sit back now and see what you know maybe the veteran market can offer in free agency so it's definitely one option especially if they don't want to pay a running back moving yeah. forward here right Speaking of tendencies, Zach, the fan base has a tendency to love their star players and to love their running backs, oh, yeah. right? So how do you think Packers fans would react if Green Bay did move on from Aaron Jones just because of the cap? I think most of them would understand it because of the cap. Yeah. yeah. But it's going to be hard. He's, you know, he's a he's a dynamic player. He really fits that offense well. I think, you know, long-term 
team building wise, it's probably best not to pay him top of the market money, but there's going to be fans that'll miss him. I would miss him. He's a, he's a great guy in the locker room. He's great to talk to. So it's a tough decision for them. He's a, he's a big part of what Matt LaFleur dials up every week, but you know, we talk about risk and he's already been hurt for a couple of games this year. So you got to weigh those two factors. And I think the Packers are in a tough spot and they're, they're probably in a spot where they're, they're going to move on from him come March. I think that's, yeah, I would have to lean that way too. And that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Looking ahead to the Green Bay schedule, now that they got past that vaunted Jacksonville Jaguars team, Zach, they, <laughs> they survived that gauntlet. And now they go into their last seven games of the season. They only play one team that's currently a playoff team, right? That's currently would be a playoff qualifier if they started today. And that's their next opponent, the Colts. Let's talk about that coming up next. <laughs> It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 11 Monday Night Football game between the Los Angeles Rams and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers come in favored by three and a half points on home field. They beat the Carolina Panthers 46-23 last week. The Rams, they're three and a half point underdogs after their 23-16 win over the Seattle Seahawks. Jeff, how are you feeling about this one? Give me the better coach and the better defense at the Los Angeles Rams. People took Sean McVay for granted and weren't high on the Rams before the season started, but he's got them tied for first place in the NFC West. And I still think the Rams are undervalued. And who's even got the best defense in this game? Rams give up the second fewest points per game and the fewest yards per attempt to opposing quarterbacks. I'm on the Rams plus three and a half. It's very evenly matched. You're dead on there. The Buccaneers, they have more offensive weapons for the Rams to cover. They keep them busy. They win by four points. All odds courtesy of BetMGM. Subscribe to BetSlip and Podcast on your favorite app. Please be sure to rate and review. All right, Zach, we've been looking forward to this one for a couple weeks now. We saw this, you know, Packers going to Indianapolis. This is an interesting game. Teams that don't see each other all that often. Indy's got a really good defense. Uh, As I just mentioned, they're now in the AFC playoff picture. They weren't because it's so crowded. But beating the Titans last week on Thursday night, that got them in. And you know you're playing a pretty good team. You know you're going to a tough spot, a tough road environment. When you're 7-2 and on top of the NFC and you're a a two-and-a-half-point underdog going to Indianapolis, right? So... This is an interesting, interesting matchup. What's your leadoff take on it? Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, this game could be the type of, you know, measuring stick game that the Packers didn't get when they went out to San Francisco a couple weeks ago when yeah. the 49ers were so over, overmatched and undermanned. So, you know, the Colts are big. They're physical. You know, they have a, a big, fast defense, good offensive line, a veteran quarterback that's playing a little bit better here the last couple weeks. So, you know, this is really the type of team that has given the Packers a lot of trouble the last couple of years. They got really good players on that defense. DeForest Buckner is having a great year. Darius Leonard is a really, really good linebacker. Rivers might not be a world beater anymore, but I think he has 300 passer rating games in the last four, and he's not taking sacks, not turning over much. So Packers defense kind of relies on those two things. So I think this will be a telling game for them. You know, they're, they're either going to bust a trend that they've kind of built over the last two years or they're going to build on one. So I'd like to think they're going to rise to the challenge a little bit, especially now they're not playing real well this past week against a bad team. But, you know, I don't know. This this is a tough test for the Packers. Yeah, I think I think a lot of us got a chance to watch the Colts last week if you caught any of that yeah. Thursday night game. And I, I definitely did. And for me, like the thing that's scary about the Colts, it's, it's definitely not Phillip Rivers. I'm not sure if you 
can even throw the ball. I know he does put up numbers, but man, <laughs> watching him sometimes, like, Rivers, do you still have it? Should you just retire? <laughs> so he doesn't really scare me, but he can get it done. But it's like the Colts have one of those, like, programs right now, right? It's like they got to, like, a, I don't know if it's the coach or what, but they just they got it all figured out. And, like, you see him against the Titans, and they're, they're doing it on defense. They're doing it on special teams, blocking punts, scoring touchdowns, and the offense is explosive, too. And it's like they do it in all three phases, and they don't really hurt yeah. themselves all that often, right? And you watch that. It, that is kind of intimidating. And the, the Colts have been doing that all year long with their defense, special teams. They don't have a lot of weaknesses, that's for sure. And I, right. I guess that's why the Packers are underdogs. So uh, there's no doubt about it. It's a tough game, and I, I don't know what to do with this line. I really don't. I, mean, I, wanted, I want to say I would back the Packers if I'm getting points. I don't know if I truly believe 100% in this Colts team. They're winning me over lately, but I don't know. The Packers, I'm still mad at them for how they played against the Jaguars, Zach. So uh, I might uh, I might just not touch this one. But what do you think about the two and a half? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't trust in the the Colts offense much to, to threaten the Packers, but right. they do have that great defense, super physical. They, they remind me a little bit of the Buccaneers or even the 49ers defense of last year, to be honest. Yeah. Just how fast they are and how they fly to the football. Another thing to think about here is Devontae Adams is dealing with an ankle injury that he had last week. So that could throw a real big wrench into the plans on that offense against a really good defense. So like I said, I'm not sure the off- the Colts offense is built to score a lot of points, but you know, I-, I think the Packers are going to struggle to score in this one. So yeah, it's tough. I, they've only been an underdog twice. This will be the second time they're the underdog. They covered against and won the game in New Orleans, so you know, maybe this is a spot you like them, but I, I just don't know. It's going to be a tough test. And for some reason, I like them, but I, I don't know if I'm going to bet it. But it, it is a huge game. It's a huge game. The Packers, like you said earlier, are on top of the NFC, and the Saints have something going on with Drew Brees, right? He's got a collapsed lung, so he's going to be out for some weeks. And, uh right. I think the team that you got to be a little nervous about now is the Bucks, kind of coming up and maybe overtaking the Saints if they struggle without Breeze at all. And, you know, obviously the Bucks have that head-to-head against the Packers. Yeah. So this is a big one. If the Packers can figure out a way, Zach, to win over the Colts, they're going to be in pretty good shape schedule-wise going forward. They're going to be playing a bunch of teams that are either below 500 or just outside of the playoff pitcher. So they win this game. Boy, they're set up to get that number one seed. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about you win this game, you get to 8-2, and two, you have home home games against Bears, Eagles, you know, you'll be favored in both of those games. Then you go to Detroit where you've had a lot of success. You'll be a big favorite probably in that game. You know, Panthers are really struggling. You'll get them at home. That's a, you'll be a favorite there. The Titans, you don't know. That, that'll be a good game in week 16. Then at the Bears, I'm sure you'll be a favorite there. So we've, yeah. we've been talking about this almost every week, but they can be a 12 and four and 13 and three team pretty easily if they, they take care of business, especially at home. They got some, some very winnable home games coming up here. So yeah, this is a big game. If they can get this one, they're going to be in really good shape for that number one seed. Yeah. If they even want it, I guess. I don't even know if they want it at this point, playing at home. <laughs> sure, I know. I was going to say, at least they're playing indoors, Zach, right? They're, they're away from the, the freezing cold of Lambeau Field. Yeah, right. They've, they've been really good in some, some indoor stadiums this year. We're talking about like Minnesota, They look New happy Orleans, in those stadiums. Houston. There's no doubt yeah, they, they look happy. They look very comfortable in those stadiums. They don't look very comfortable in the windy cold of Lambeau, which no, is it's, it's a weird thing, but that's 2020 for us. Yeah. I can't wrap my head around that. I just can't. But, okay, if they win this one 24 to 20, I won't be mad at them, Zach. But I'm, I'm still not happy with them from last week. That was – I was not happy on the edge of my seat at all. We, we've done a bad job of predicting these the, the scores of these games the last couple yeah, weeks. So yeah, we're struggling maybe, hard. Maybe, maybe we should take a week off. It sounds good. Let's take the week off, and then we'll, we'll get back at it next week. Sound good? <laughs> sounds good to me. Go, 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 go,
This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.